Work and Dominion It is a serious but common error that work is an aspect of the curse. Justification for this belief is sought in Genesis 3, 17-19. In this passage, it is clear, however, that it is Adam who was under the curse together with Eve. Because both are under God's curse for disobedience, every aspect of their life reflects that curse. Thus, Eve's two great joys should be, as for all women, first, her delight in the protection, care, and lordship of her husband, and second, children. Both of these are made a source of sorrow and trouble by the fact of sin. Adam is similarly cursed. Work unto dominion was his calling and his joy and privilege. Now it becomes replete with frustration and disappointment. It is thus the labor or calling of both man and woman which, because of sin, frustrates them. That work and service which was to have been their joy and privilege becomes instead a disappointment and sorrow to them. Work was central to man's creation and nature. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Genesis 2.15. The Berkeley version renders this task as to cultivate and to care for it, and Moffat, to till it and to guard it. This task is inescapably tied with the creation mandate to subdue the earth and to exercise dominion over it. Genesis 1.16-28. The purpose of work is to establish man in his dominion under God. Man's work has varying aspects. First, tilling the earth is an aspect of man's calling. This means subjugating and developing the earth and bringing it under the dominion of and into service to man. This has broad implications. It includes all manual labor, agriculture, and science. Man exercises his dominion over the world under God. Just as man cannot take life apart from God's law, since God alone is the Lord of life, so man cannot use the earth apart from God's law. He must be a wise steward, not a thief, nor a murderer. Second, in Genesis 2.19, Adam has a calling to name or call the animals, i.e. to understand and classify the creation around him. This is clearly a scientific task, in that it required an understanding of the nature and classification of things. It is a religious task as well, in that man must see his relationship to the animal creation, his God-given place, and the difference between man and animals. The animals are to be seen in relationship to man, and in relationship to God and his purposes. Third. Man was only given his helpmeet after he had proven himself in his work. Thus, Adam was deemed ready for marriage not when he was physically mature, but when he had attested maturity in terms of his work. This concept was reflected in the Hebrew and later Jewish requirements that public office was restricted to married men who had proven themselves both by work and then by marriage. This appears also in the New Testament requirement that presbyters be married men, 1 Timothy 3, 1-5 and 4, 3. Fourth, as we have seen, work was not only ordained before the fall, but it is the calling of God's people in the restored creation. Revelation 22.3 The fall meant that man, instead of exercising dominion over the earth, returns to the earth in frustration and death, and becomes himself dust or earth. Genesis 3.19 Having sought to be God by his rebellion, Genesis 3.5, man becomes again dust, returning to the ground he should have governed under God. Work in itself is not necessarily of any significance. Work can sometimes be used to degrade and destroy man instead of furthering his dominion. Dostoevsky described the shattering effect of meaningless work. Convicts could be demoralized and broken by being required to do some pointless tasks such as carrying rocks from one pile to another and then carrying them back again. Meaningless work is thus alien to the purpose of labor under God. Meaningless work does not gain value by being well-paid work. 
When one of the best-rewarded Soviet writers defected to England, he left a situation of eminence, prestige, and comfort for one of comparative obscurity. The material rewards could not compensate for a meaningless and dishonest position, for an enforced compliance to a hateful regime. There was no sense of dominion in such work. Basic to true work is that it must further man's calling to exercise dominion under God. A man must feel more a man because of his work, more secure in his status as head of a household, a member of society, and a man before God. Work that is sterile in its relationship to man's calling to exercise dominion will gradually reduce man to impotence in more ways than one. The separation of work from dominion is catastrophic for man and society. It leads to the spiritual sickness of man and to the decline of his culture. It can lead, in some cultures, to the brutalization of man. As man is degraded by his sin and his sinful society into a slave of work, whose work is bondage rather than liberation, man responds by aggravating his sin. The response of man to man becomes a form of mutual urges to degrade and defile the other person. In other instances, the separation of work from dominion leads to a moral and religious paralysis. Man becomes a sick soul whose every response is colored by the sick hatred of impotence and its urge to destroy. Thus, Sartre, in his play Le Diable et le Bon Dieu, defined love as the hatred of the same enemy. Such a man talks much of love and the future, but his love is hatred, and his future is the attempt to destroy the past. The separation of work and dominion is inevitable in every society which denies the triune God. Having denied its God, such a society has its work cursed and its urge to dominion frustrated. Instead of dominion, it seeks expression in destruction. Instead of furthering life, it finds power in death. The exercise of dominion under God is the development of man and the earth by means of work in order to strengthen, prosper, and heighten man's life and service under God. True work and true dominion further life and the potentialities of life. Materially and spiritually, man's life is enhanced. Where man seeks dominion outside of God and under the curse, his work is productive of death and destruction. Man under the curse works to destroy other men and societies, and also himself. He works destructively also in his relationship to the earth. An age that talks most about ecology is the earth's worst polluter, and those most guilty of pollution talk loudest about ending pollution and limiting the population and finance population control efforts. According to Burden, in New York City, for example, despite John Lindsay's evident concern and symbolic street closings, the city itself continues to be the worst offender against its own pollution laws. Work without God is thus work without dominion and unto destruction. Work under God establishes man in his ordained dominion and provides constructive social energy. Not surprisingly, the word energy comes from the Greek ergon, work. The word for dominion in the Greek is kratos, force, strength, power, and comes from the root kra, to perfect, to complete. Creator is probably a related word. Create comes from the Latin creatus, creari, to create, and is related to the Armenian serum, I bring forth. The purpose and meaning of dominion is to bring forth the meaning and potentiality of man, his society, and the earth, and to complete or perfect the God-ordained purposes of creation. A society which seeks, however vainly, to eliminate work by creating a work-free world will neither escape from the curse nor gain any dominion by its efforts. Instead, it will intensify the disintegration of man, for, while work is not the salvation of man, 
man ceases to be man if separated from work. Not surprisingly, men usually die within a few years of retirement, at whatever age they retire. Even fallen men, however much they fret at the curse which dogs their efforts and their work, are still concerned with realizing their manhood and dominion through work. To separate men from work is to separate them from meaning and life. Man's life is not defined by play, but by work and dominion. Where man finds his work futile, there the disintegration of man becomes manifest. Man, however, cannot be defined by his function. Thus, he cannot be defined as a working animal. Work is man's function, but man himself is a creature created in the image of God, and therefore far more than his function. A central aspect of that image is dominion. Work is the means whereby man manifests, establishes, and develops his dominion under God. A work-free society will finally be a man-free society. The old Puritan and Christian association of work with the nature of man still survives in America. A visitor from England describes with some irritation the standard opening line of American men, whether at a bar or a party, in meeting strangers. After introductions are made and a drink brought or taken, the real conversation begins with the question, and what do you do? By answering this question, the stranger is identified. Work is seen as a key to knowing a person and in classifying them. The question reveals both the surviving health of American life as well as a measure of decline. In an earlier era, the companion question would have ascertained what a man believed, so that, by his faith and his work, he would be identified. 